Heavenly Father, we love you, we worship you, we honor you, you, Lord. I thank you that from the very outset of this church, there has been one sentence that has always been said, that this is a work of God's hands, not of man. And it has been you, Jesus. And we thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I wonder if you could turn to Joshua 3. That would be great. The book of Joshua has been very precious to us. And, you know, friends, it's an interesting thing. I've been so busy with the facility and just with everything going on. You know, I came here today and I realized that was the last sermon that I prepared in that Shreveville property. I've preached probably over 400 messages in that space because of all the youth for all those years and then prepared even more. And you just think about it, you know, 10 years there. And it's just a weird thing. You know, God's moving you on. He's changing things. And as Jen said, you never fully have an exact picture of what God wants to do, but we know He's with us, and that's the most important thing. Amen. The book of Joshua has been so precious to us as a body probably for the last year and a half. In January 2016, we spent almost two months in the book of Joshua speaking about the season that's coming. And then in January 2017, we spent a month in the book of Joshua. And then every time there's been a transition, we've gone back to Joshua. And so I just said to the Lord this week, Lord, where and what? Because we've been on a kingdom series since the beginning of the year, and I felt the Lord said, Joshua. So I said, once again, we go back to Joshua. So let's go to Joshua chapter 3. Let's go to verse 8, and it says this. Now, the context here is people of Israel are crossing the Jordan. If you've been with us, you'll know the context. They're crossing the Jordan. The Jordan, for me, friends, represents an impossible situation. It's an impossible situation that they could not change. There's a big difference between a memorial of God and a revelation. A revelation changes a person. You get a revelation. It's actually technically called illumination. Something of the Word becomes alive in your heart. Or God speaks to you just in the different ways that He speaks. And it reveals something to you. And you become illumined. You become alighted. You become something shifts and changes inside of you and it changes you. A memorial is something that God does that changes a season. It's something practical. It's an intervention of God. It's a sovereign act of God. The Red Sea, the opening of the Jordan, something that He does. It changes even an era. It changes something for God's people, changes situations and circumstances. But without God's supernatural intervention, nothing would have changed. Nothing would have happened. And you set up a memorial, something to say, look what God has done. Amen? So there's a difference. Joshua chapter 3, verse 8. Let's go read it. It says, You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Very important, and I've mentioned this before, but I just felt in my heart to go over it again. Friends, when we come to an impossible situation, so often we say, God, do something, God, do something, God. And for years we can do that. But I believe always the Lord is saying, go stand in it. You sometimes got to go to that impossible situation, and I know that metaphorically there's so many different types of ones, but they had to go and stand in the situation that was impossible. And many of us feel like that. We say, well, Lord, here I am. I'm standing. Nothing's changing, but I'm standing. And sometimes you've got to stand in an impossible situation when you cannot necessarily see. There's an action required. There's an action required. You've got to take a step. You've got to step in faith. Amen? That's what actually had to happen. So they had to go stand in the Jordan. Then he says this, this very interesting verse. So Joshua, verse 9, said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. 
God's saying, go stand over there. Go stand in it. And he says, this is how you will know that God is with you. He will drive out all those people. You know what's fascinating to me is he didn't say, I'm going to do this and that. He's already, God in his mind, if it were, is already there. He's across the Jordan, over the space, and fighting the battles and driving the people out. He's there. The Israelites are here. Look at the Jordan River, Lord. He's saying, okay, this is how you'll know I'm among you. I'm going to get rid of all those people. It's very, very important. Why? The reasons that God takes us there, the reasons that I take you there, the Lord says, are more important than the miracles I do to get you there. Far more important, friends. We have to remember that. We're about to go into a space and take occupation. The reasons He takes us there are more important than how we get there. How we get there, we build memorials, we worship, we celebrate, we say thank you. There has been supernatural acts of God that we'll talk about in a moment. But he takes us there for a reason, and that's what he's focused on. He's focused on the city. He's focused on true treasure, which is people. He's focused on salvations. He's focused on an impact into the region. Now, we can focus on the supernatural things he's done to get us there, which they're awesome, and they bring glory, they bring worship, but the Lord's eyes are fixed on the reason. Important. Let's just read verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests, why? Because they would carry the ark like this, right? And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. That's the stepping in. As soon as they shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters shall be cut off. And then he says, this is what's going to happen. The miracle will take place. Why is that so important? That word rest is the word ruach. It's the supernatural rest of God. When it says, enter my rest, who knows the scriptures? Enter my rest, you will find the rest of God. It's a supernatural rest. It's insight. And sometimes we are required to stand in the impossible situation. Sometimes it's the Lord saying, I want you to find rest in the impossible situation. When you find rest here, when you trust and you find rest here in the impossible situation, I will act. Not before. He said, when the priest's feet find rest, the very next time in the Bible the word is used is Joshua 21.44. Joshua 21.44 says, The Lord gave them rest all around and according to all that he had sworn their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. What did we just read? This shall come to pass. That's what he said way back then. And he said, what was he focused on? I'm going to drive out these people. I'm going to drive out these people. I'm going to drive out these people. He said, but when you find rest... When you find Ruach, when that supernatural rest of God, when you can find rest in a situation that makes no sense, when you can find rest there, then I will act. The very next time that same word is used, it says, and he had given them rest. When you find rest in an impossible situation, the practical outworking of it will come. It will come. Amen? So, and that's where we've been. I wrote a psalm. Let me speak practically and honestly. We had to, as a leadership, find rest in a situation where we had no money, we, had, we didn't have a place to go, we didn't know where to go. We didn't, have, we didn't know what to do, to be honest. 
We didn't know what to do. So we prayed, we fasted, we did what we do know, and that's when the Lord took me there. He said, find rest. Find rest in here. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. And I will come through. So I wrote this psalm, and I was up at about four in the morning. I was praying. I just couldn't sleep because of all that was going on. It took me maybe three minutes. It's like God just spoke it through me. I wrote this, and I've read this many, many times since then. I want to read it to you. This was when we didn't have a place to go, when we didn't have money, when we didn't know what to do. I wrote this. Although I cannot see, I trust you. Before me lies the unknown. I stand as one who does not know. Who knows what that feels like sometimes? I stand as one who does not know, but in your character, in your nature, I trust. Friends, I just believe that God's so passionate about us trusting in who he is versus what he can do. Very important. In your nature I trust. In your guidance I shall be led. Your goodness goes before. Your faithfulness comes behind. Take me by the hand. Speak to me along the path. Let me not be put to shame. I will trust in you. The world's wisdom you do not seek, but a surrendered heart that trembles at your word. You will not abandon your cause in our midst. I remember I wrote this with tears. You will not abandon your cause in our midst, nor refuse to guide us in your way. A stranger's voice we will not follow. To a different spirit we will not bow. Lead us through what lies ahead. Lead us through what lies before. And we will declare your great faithfulness to the children of men. We shall speak of your grace to the sons of Joshua. Let your glory descend on our dwelling. And let your presence take us by the hand. For though I cannot see, I trust in you. And in your nature I place my future. When you find rest, when you cannot see, he will come through. He will come through. Some of you are standing in those situations now, but it will happen. Joshua chapter 4 is when they had crossed over, and it says in verse 1, It came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Just let me say this. I just want to thank you all like my dad did. Our heart from the beginning, when we had to come here and we had to make decisions, and our heart was simply this. Whatever we do, we do together. Whatever we do, we do together. And you, as a people, have made that just such a wonderful process. And so I want to thank that. But we are moving together. There's been such an ownership from the body, which we're very, very grateful for. It says, take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. Take stones where you found rest. Take stones from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in your lodging. Why is that so important? You have to take stones from something that you previously could not see. You know the unseen realm I speak about. It's very real. In the Old Testament, the natural. In the New Testament, the spirit. The stones were unseen. There was a river. You couldn't see them. And because of the intervention of God, the unseen became seen. And God said, take something from what was formerly unseen and take it with you and put it in the new place. So as a prophetic act, as a prophetic declaration, what we're going to do, and I've checked this with Chip, I'm going to ask every single person, not right now, don't get up and run out, this place to us, this physical property, has been to us a place where we stood. The place where we said, God, we don't see, but we're going to stand. And we're going to have faith as a body. And we're going to have faith as a people. We're going to stand and we're going to say, we could have gone back. We could have gone back to the school. We had the option. And we said, no, we'll trust you. 
And at times we had nothing in front of us. And so we stood. Not, not me, not them. We stood. Because when we made that decision, honestly, you could have left. And if you're here, you stood. And so I said to Chip, I just feel like God's put on my heart. If we could each collect a rock, a stone, and we're going to take them, we're going to take something from here, just a prophetic thing, and we're going to take that and we're going to place it in the new facility. But if you could do that today, because we're not coming back here. And these stones, these, these few that I have here, are so important to me because I was speaking to Chip about it today, and he said, well, it's crazy that, I'm using my words, it's crazy that you're asking this, because many years ago, when they dug a well on this property, they hit a river, an undercurrent stream, and the, the pressure was so strong that the river burst up, and it burst up with river stones. We think of all the spiritual significance, digging a well, the undercurrent river, and he said they were amazed because to have actual river stones that are smooth shows you how many thousands of years that river's been there to make the stone smooth. And the stones came shooting out of the ground. And so he's given us these stones, and I know they're just stones, but it's a prophetic thing to say, Lord, we're going to take these with us. Why do we do this? It says, in the midst of the Jordan, verse 4, Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one from every tribe, and Joshua said, Cross over before the ark of the Lord into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you shall take up a stone on his shoulder. Verse 6, This may be a sign when your children ask in time, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial for the people of Israel. There's many reasons why we set up a memorial, but for me, I don't know if we all realize, because we've obviously been so entrenched in the process, the miraculous that we've actually been having week to week. There have been things that have happened that are impossible. Absolutely impossible. I wrote a few down. Firstly, we were kicked out of the school. We prayed and fasted. What do we pray and fast for? You know how many times I get people, well, I don't know if God answered prayers. Friends, we are living with answered prayer. Many of them. Not just sick people healed. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen a whole handful healed. Some instantly. We have doctor's reports. All of that stuff is great. But we are living in the midst of answered prayer. We fasted for a facility and for finances and for future leaders. That was less than a year ago. We've just appointed another elder. We got a supernatural donation, as you know, it was over a quarter of a million dollars, which made that thing possible. And we have a facility. Does God answer prayers? Yeah. Friends, big deal. Not only that, the guidance that we received, honestly, by the Lord, through dreams, through visions, through people phoning from overseas, the amount of stuff that's happened to make what is happening possible. When we went in to look at the facility, they said, we'll take anybody except the church. Now we're going in there. I mean, one obstacle after another, after another, after another. Impossible things. Faith. Faith in his character. Faith in his nature. Can you turn to Psalm 126? We're just saying, Lord, we want to do the best we can to facilitate a transition. Amen? Psalm 126 says this, verse 1, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream. What is that? What had happened is they had been in captivity. Now, this is not captivity, Chip, so don't worry. We love this space. But when you've had a dream in your heart for so many years, when you've had a desire, a dream for so many years, that when it starts to come to pass, we use in our today language, we say surreal. 
it's like it felt like a dream to them. They were leaving Babylon, they were escaping, and they were like, is this happening? Is this actually happening? Is this real? That's how they felt. That we were like those who dream. And in that season, God will actually place new dreams in your heart. Now, there's three things that can happen with a dream. Dreams can be born, dreams can die, and sometimes they need to be reborn, and dreams can be fulfilled. Dreams can be realized. And when that happens, this is the result. We were like those who dream. Our mouth was filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. They sit among the nations. The Lord has done great things for them. Friends, you know what the King James says there? They sit among the heathen. They sit among the heathen that the Lord has done great things. What does that mean in today's world? People who don't believe in God, people who don't believe in Jesus, saw such an abundance of provision, saw such an abundance of something, of a miraculous, of a supernatural intervention, of a memorial. They looked at that and they say, how is that possible? They say, we don't believe what you believe, but your God is working for you. That's how people see it. And there's such an opportunity in that moment. And we wonder, has that happened? Let me tell you, I know I've told you, but I'll tell you again. Our contractor has had his life turned inside out, upside down, while he's been on this job. The agent that we used, he's still contacting me. The bankers that we used, friends, and we didn't even need them. When I walked into the bank, I told you the story, they were speaking about us when I walked in. It happened again this week. Let me tell you a quick testimony. I walked in the bank this week, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But I walked in the bank this week, and the bank manager and the two, you know, the people that sit at the desk, the relationship, they're sitting there. They look up and they say, what are you doing here? So I'm coming to the bank. What do you mean? We were talking about you, right? We were just talking about you. They said, we're talking about your church. And we were saying the crazy things that's happening. These are in the bank. And they're saying the crazy thing that's happening, and they use the word, is uncanny. And so the young lady who's new to the bank, she doesn't know, she says, are all those things true? Are those things like you got given all this money and you did this and you prayed and you fasted? She's asking me the questions. So I said, yeah, that's absolutely what happened. So I said, well, let me tell you why I'm here. And I'm going to tell you why. We went over budget. Not because we were silly, not because there's not a dollar. And guys, he's, he's the finance guy, so I'm not blaming him. But he can tell you there's not a dollar that we didn't spend that we didn't need to spend. We were very diligent. But we went over budget, probably 50 grand. Stuff just comes up. I met with a man this week. He phoned me. And he gave me a check for $70,000. Covers what we went over and more. I walk in the bank and I said, well, I have another one. And they say, no ways. So I said, yeah, really, I have another one. They said, no ways. And I think they were like, is, this, is there a racket going on or something? Like, no, I said, really, I have another one. And they start to ask me questions. The heathen will say, the Lord has done great things for them. Friends, it's happening. We're in the midst of it. And we don't see it because you don't, you know, you don't always know the details. But we're literally in the midst of Psalm 126. And so I got to stand there and share the gospel. In the bank. Again. <laughs> Honestly. It's amazing, but it's been an amazing process. I went to the town again, just as you know, incredible favor of the town. I went and spoke to our new neighbors, Mobile Hope, and I sat down, we started speaking about, you know, what's happening. She said, well, is there anything I need to know about you? So I said, yeah, I just want to tell you a little story. I literally just jumped right in. So I said, I want to tell you a story. She said, sure. So I said, once upon a time, there was a man called Adam and a lady called Eve. And she looked at me, and I said, so I just looked at the floor, and I kept going. So I said, so 
This is the gospel as I see it. And I started to speak the gospel to her. Tears on her face. She said, you know, I actually believe in, in that God is, you know, is supernatural actually. I've seen this and she starts to open her life. The Lord has done great things for them. Friends, God's more interested in the reason why and what got us there. We have to understand that. We go there for a reason and it's for people, for other people. He says, then we should agree. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. And we are. But this is the reason. Bring, this is their cry. Bring back our captivity, O Lord. Huh. They didn't just rejoice and then, oh, that was great. And then we get and we settle. Their cry as they went in was, Lord, bring back our captivity. What's that? Bring the people who are still captive. Because that was only a small remnant. And there were still people that were captive. For us, that's the city, the people that are not saved. They went in with that cry, Lord, we are singing. Our mouths are filled with laughter. We can dream again. This is a dream realized. It feels surreal. And we're going to have to get used to this. But our heart cry is bring us the captives. Bring us the people. Not for growth. To see people saved. To see people free. To see the unrighteous made righteous. Bring us the captives. That's the heart. It says, bring back, I love the ownership, our captivity. Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as streams in the south, like a river of people. It talks about the autumn rains, when water flows over a dry and thirsty land. And we live in a dry and thirsty land, supernaturally. We live in a dry and thirsty land. People are longing for the Lord. I have so loved this process because I felt like a contract, and not only because I like to work with my hands, but because I've been out in the world, and I've got to touch sides with all these people. And the more I speak about the Lord, people have this weird concept of people are going to do this. Friends, they are longing for Jesus. They are literally hungering for Jesus. I just start. Guess what I know? A man called Jesus. Or whatever. And we're all different. But friends, they are longing for him. Bring back our captivity. That's our cry. Bring back those who are captive. Bring back. That's the motive. Joshua 4.16 He says, there's a lot that happens. They bring the stones. They do all of that. Let's go to verse 15. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony as the presence of God and the word of God. The word of God. Who bear the ark of the testimony to come up from the Jordan. So many times people encamp around the miracle. They build a tent around the miracle, just like Peter. Lord, let us build a tent here for you. If Peter was there, maybe he would have wanted to build a tent in the river on the dry land. We so often want to build something around, oh, this awesome thing happened. God's interested. Let's go forward. Let's go forward. He says, command the priest, come up. Then it says this, come up from the Jordan. Joshua commanded the priest, come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord and had come up from the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the feet Again, where they rested. The soles of the feet of the priests touched dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed its banks. So important. Why? Now there's no way back. It would have been more difficult for them to go back because the Lord's not going to open the Jordan again because the Lord's going for it. And he knew. He had been with the Israelites a while. Let us go back to Egypt. Put the Jordan there. Their mindsets were different. They couldn't go back. They had to go forward. 
And the Bible says when they went over, they took, it says, take with you, take with you the lessons, take with you the Ark of the Covenant. You take with you what you learned there. Because the faith that we've had to learn, the ability to take a step and then God acts, the ability to find rest in the unknown, the ability to believe in what you cannot see, but the Lord will make it seen, that defeats the Jericho. That's what you take with you. They just walked around the city. The first generation that was just about what they saw wouldn't have done that. The waters came back. There was no way back for them. They're now in this land. Think about it, friends. They're now in their promised land. Jericho's that way. That way's impossible. Well, I guess we're going forward. Amen. So when we go in there and something, oh boy, we didn't think of this or that, we go forward together. We go forward. We can't go back. Chip, don't let us come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, where are we now? The Jordan River returned to its place. It overflowed its banks. You know what I long? It's when the people come, they come to a kingdom people. That's why I've been preaching on the kingdom. That's why God put it on our heart. That they come to a kingdom people. The king's domain. The kingdom authority. King's dominion. They come to people who are righteous conscious and God conscious, not sin conscious. They come to a house where worship, real worship is happening. They come to a house of freedom, of expression, where kingdom is declared, kingdom decisions are being made. People are living totally different. Kingdom thinking, kingdom decisions, kingdom demonstration, kingdom declaration. And they come to a house of encounter. Not for us, for them. For the glory of the Lord. So that Jesus gets glory. That's why. Because he drove out all those people from Israel so that they would say, they're God, he is God. It's been a, an interesting season. It's been a delightful season. I really, really want to thank you. But our hearts cry as we go forward. Yes, Lord, we take what we've learned with us. As a body, we've learned faith. Who feels like they've learned faith through this process? All right. We've learned faith. But faith is based on what he says. So often we go and study the great man of God, the, whoever yours is, the William Branham, the John G. Lake, the Ken Grenfell, whoever. Okay, we go study some great man of God and we want to be them. Don't be them. Do what God tells you to do. Be you. Be what God tells you to do. Because they heard something and they did what he told them. And so we've got to be faithful with what God's put in our hand, what God's given us to do. But we take with us the Ark of the Covenant. We take with us the things that we learned. The Ark of the Covenant wasn't in Egypt. In a desert space, they learned his presence. They learned his voice. You take that with you to Jericho. You take that with you. And there are many traps that the enemy will want to bring to destroy the momentum of the life in the church. One of them is offense. Oh, offense. He'll bring offense just like that. Because we're so carnal. It's so easy for him. My dad preached on it. You know what else he brings? Distraction. When Nehemiah was doing a great work for the Lord, I think it's Nehemiah 6.12, I think it is. When Nehemiah's doing a great work, it says Tobias sent him an open letter. In other words, in those days you had to have a sealed wax letter. They sent an open letter. In other words, everyone who brought it read it. It's a rumor. It's an attack on reputation. And they send this letter. You know, you must come down and speak with us and we must meet. You know what Nehemiah's response is? Why should I come down to you when I have a great work going on? Friends, that's the response the enemy doesn't think you're going to give him. So when distraction comes and attack comes, 
we have a great work going on. Why should I come down and meet with you? I'm going to stay focused on the Lord. I'm going to stay focused on His work. I'm going to stay focused on what He's called to do. The other one, there's, there's many, but these are the common ones. Sin of Achan, putting the glory of God under your name. God brings them victory. God brings them victory. So that he goes and takes what is the Lord's and puts it under his tent. And Joshua literally says to him, I beg of you, Achan, I beg of you, return, these are the words, return the glory to the Lord. So when God moves on our behalf and some people want to position themselves and say, look what, look what I did. Oh, that's, I encourage you, don't do that. Don't do that. That's what Achan did. He put it under his name, put it under his tent. It's like, this was mine. I did this. Friends, no man did this. God has just supernaturally done this. 